You are listening to Second Breaks, the show where we talk about rocking our middle years. And I'm Lou Blazer. My guests today are James and Claire Davis. They are the husband and wife team behind the multi-award-winning coaching and fitness company, 38 Degrees North, and the coaching brand, The Midlife Mentors. With their backgrounds in psychology and coaching and NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, James and Claire help midlifers make positive changes in their lives. Now, full disclosure, the reason that I asked them to join me was because I wanted to ask about their personal story. James and Claire were both married to other people, I meant. Uh, they both got divorced in midlife, and then they found each other, and then they went to business, um, built a business together, and all that good stuff. Now, that's like the big picture, like two-sentence summary of what happened, but actually, peel back the curtains a little bit and it becomes really clear really fast that there was a lot of personal rediscovery and personal work that they have had to do on themselves to make their relationship work. As James pointed out, people can feel a little lost when long-term relationships end. So much of our identity can be tied to our previous relationships. And there's a moment there when rediscovering ourselves, like who we are, what we want, may be the first order of business before we can bring ourselves fully into a new relationship. Not to mention there's also baggage, right? There's also baggage that we may be unconsciously taking along with us if we're not careful about it. And obviously that cannot be good for any new relationship. So I began this conversation with uh, Claire and James with their personal love story in mind, but it became obvious very quickly that what we are talking about here is really about the most important relationship in our life. And that is our relationship with ourselves. And the quality of that relationship affects all the others. In this episode, you're going to learn about the steps that James and Claire took separately and together to give their new relationship its best chance. Also, we talked about this important question. According to James, the question isn't about whether it's too late or if we've missed the boat. Rather, it's if I don't start addressing this now What's it going to look for me in 10 years, in 20 years? And that question, it can be applied to so many areas in our life, our relationships, our health, our career goals. Anytime that we are hesitating and wondering if we can take the next step, we can ask ourselves that question and think about the cost of what inaction may be. And lastly, Claire pointed out that Midlife can bring about stress in our relationship. She said in midlife, we're often growing and reevaluating and reinventing. And this can either bring us together or pull us apart. And this is when, you know, maybe the other person in the relationship, maybe they are not going through as much change as the other person may be going through. And they may start feeling threatened by all the changes that are happening with their partner. So this does not 
necessarily signal the end of the relationship. And so whether you are the person who's going through a lot of change or you are the person in the relationship who's feeling a little bit threatened, maybe you're left behind because your partner is going through a lot of change himself or herself. There is that uh, portion of the conversation that I think you're going to really relate with. I would love to hear from you as you listen to the episode. Let me know what you think about the topics that we talked about today. You can reach me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at Lou Blazer on both platforms. Or you can email me, lou at secondbreaks.com. Okie dokie, let me step out of the way. Here's my conversation with James and Claire Davis. Claire and James, welcome to Second Breaks. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you so Hi, much Claire. for having it's us. great to be here. I am so excited to be having this conversation with you and uh, just to start the 2022 with this kind of message, right? So I thought what we can do maybe to just sort of level set the conversation and to kind of give context to the kinds of questions that I'm going to ask you or the kinds of topics that we're going to talk about. Would you mind a little bit sharing your personal story? I know you have a very interesting uh, story to share. Yeah, so I guess we got together in midlife. Um, so it's quite an interesting story. We've been friends, we've known each other for quite a while, but we're living in different different countries. I was living in Ibiza in Spain, Claire was living back in the UK. Unbeknownst to, to either of us, like both of our marriages broke up at the same time. So we both came separated. The short version is Claire was very resistant. Then we had a few dates. Then she was horrible to me. And then finally we got back together again. And we haven't looked back since then. <laughs> See, there's a, there's a good ending to that story. You didn't know where that was going to go at some point, did you? <laughs> it's true. I, um, I came out of, of my marriage in a, in a really bad way, as did James as well. So we both went through difficult, really difficult times personally. And, you know, we both had a lot of baggage, a lot of personal stuff that we needed to work through. So I wasn't the best version of myself. And quite frankly, on a, on a, on a really vulnerable level, I wasn't ready for someone as beautiful and as amazing as James. I mean, I, hadn't, I wasn't used to being treated with such respect. And so it was almost like I pushed it away at first. I had a few dates and... Stood him up a couple of times. So you might have heard that story as well. He does like telling that one. <laughs> um, and then I then asked him out on a date. Um, again, we and again, you turned up, and I actually turned up on that one. So it was raining. It was raining, and I turned up like a drowned rat. So I didn't, I didn't look my best. But we met up, and then after that, it just went really fast I ended up moving to Ibiza really quickly and working with James in the business he had set up and then everything else flourished since then so that was six years ago just oh more than six years ago now yeah seven. Oh, awesome um do you mind if I ask uh, you follow-up questions when you got divorced when you were you both either one of you thinking I don't want to ever have a relationship again after this or were you thinking you know what I am looking forward to having an, uh, another relationship, a healthier relationship. Where where was your mindset at that point? Mine was like I went through quite an interesting cycle. So I my my marriage was a long one. I've been married for um, like twelve years, I think, but being together for sixteen years, uh, and it came quite out the blue. And of course, when you're at midlife, that's when it can really 
damage your confidence. It did for me. Uh, you know, suddenly you're like, wow, um, you know, I've, I've had all my time with this person. I've grown with this person. Now I'm suddenly like on my own. Uh, I've been rejected. So there must be a reason for that. Who's going to want me anyway? And also like, cause the feelings it builds up and that feeling, it was like, I just don't want to get in a relationship. I don't want to get in a relationship. I actually, you know, I, I stayed that way for quite, quite some months before I kind of met Claire and connected and was like something like, Oh wow, actually, wait a minute. There is, there is something here. But for me personally, I went through this kind of cycle of, of, of devastation, lack of confidence, definitely not wanting a relationship. And yeah, I met Claire and that it was, it was very different. So who can say where I'd be now if I hadn't met? <laughs> Bless you. For me, for me, I put up my barriers. You know, I I had had a few more relationships, should I say, than James had. So um, obviously, James was with his ex for a long time. I, I my relationships weren't actually as long when I got married. This is actually my third marriage. So there's a there's a big bombshell. Third and last. Third and last. Third time lucky. <laughs> So, so I was, I was really kind of broken in the sense that I just put up all these walls, massive bravado to protect myself, and that's, I think, well, I know that's why I behaved in the way that I did with James. But he wasn't having any of it. He saw the true me, and that, that was really, really rare. That's why, obviously, he's gorgeous. But I fell in love with him because he wasn't threatened by me, and he saw my behaviour and realised it was just a big, big act. And that underneath it, I was just, you know, just waiting for, I wasn't waiting because I don't think we should wait. But, you know, there was there was something between James and I that that he that he brought out in me that no one else had ever done before. Okay, so Claire, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, so I'm about to come out of the closet now, right now. But uh, I have been married twice or so before. And exactly, sort of similar to where your headspace was, um, I was almost married the third time and I backed out because I was saying, well, obviously marriage isn't for me because I've been married twice. Mm -hmm. And what are the chances of me getting married for the third time and for it working? So let's not go down this thing again. And so once you were telling your story, I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. wow. And I've put up my barrier since then. I'm like, no, obviously marriage isn't for me. So, nope. Well, that's an amazing thing because I actually said, I said to James quite brutally, I don't want to get married again. I don't need to get married. And actually, I didn't need to get married again. I didn't, I, it wasn't a necessity for me to feel safe or secure in our relationship to get married. And that was new as well. I felt the first two that it was a status symbol. It was something that I needed in order to feel safe. But the really interesting thing is he must have just made me feel safe and secure without that, which is beautiful. And then actually, after I'd said that, he pretty much proposed about two days later, unbeknownst that he was planning it. So uh, that was nice of me, wasn't it? To, to tell him I didn't want to get married when he had planned that he wanted to ask me to marry him. So great timing there, Claire. Brilliant. Um and actually, it was really interesting because I hadn't wanted to let myself dream and let myself believe that he would ask me because I'd been so hurt before. But, you know, secretly, there was this part that didn't need it, but kind of did want it. Because I remember when he asked me, I was just, it was, it was the best proposal. It was, it was the one that I'd actually been waiting for, for the, for the whole time. So it was, it was really, really special. <laughs> that is 
I love hearing your story. So and I, there's a part of me that fe- is feeling guilty because I'm like asking all these personal questions. <laughs> so when you decided that you were going to get married, you know, uh, James, you've been married for a long time before uh, and you've been married before also, Claire, a couple of times. So did you have like, oh, from now on, this these are the things I'm going to do or not do. Sort of like lessons learned from previous relationships that you're bringing into this relationship. Like how did those factor or not factor into uh, your relationship today? Uh, a, big, a big factor. I mean, speaking, speaking for myself, you know, I think when you're in a long-term relationship, it's inevitable. We've been for a long time, especially when you're, when you're younger. You kind of grow, grow together, but you become almost like, a unit and you realize you maybe lost a bit of your self-identity as well so a big part for me after my separation was was basically going back on discovery of, of who i am and turning inward and doing a lot of inward work but also um being brave enough to face you know just think about maybe what i could have done better what i might have done wrong work on those parts but then also when you go into a relationship even if you've done that work you, you do tow a lot of baggage in with you that will surface and it just is you know i'm very fortunate we, claire and i have with baggage individually and together oh there was lots there was lots there was a lot i went prepared to look at it and work on it you know those those kind of moments where anyone else used to be like you know what this is just too hard i'm out of here we just worked through it worked through it worked through it because we felt that there was something worthwhile like at the end of it when we got through it so it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I think about my midlife, you know, if you've been in a long relationship, it's weird. You, you know yourself a bit better, but you've also lost a bit of yourself. So for me, it's about rediscovering part of me and bringing that in, a new, almost a new reinvented, rediscovered part. That's so true. Because in relationships, you sort of like, um, you, you know, you give in sometimes, you kind of meet halfway. So I like what you said, uh, James, where you you know yourself but also you've lost some parts of yourself not in not necessarily in a bad way but it's just part of a relationship where you're trying to meet halfway and yeah right also what i've learned in this relationship is that it's the perfect way for me to learn more about myself it's the perfect way for me to expand and grow and become a better version of myself because inevitably in relationships you project so you look at that person, you're going, it's all your fault. But actually, it's an opportunity to look at where you're behaving like that. So, it's a, so, you know, I never really saw relationships like that. It was, you're supposed to make me happy. I'm supposed to make you happy. And that's actually what you're doing. You There's a mirror up to you a lot of the time about what you need to heal and what you need to work on. And, you know, James's point about, you know, I never, I always want to be really honest and really vulnerable so that other people understand that there's always potential. But we had a really hard beginning. Everyone thinks because it was so exciting and it was all so fast, people think it was just this magical honeymoon thing. We didn't have the honeymoon period. We started working together straight away. I moved different countries. I still had loads of baggage. I found that my independence, I felt like my independence had been taken away from me, even though I'd willingly given it. There were so many parts of myself I had to heal right at the beginning of our relationship where I felt kind of unsafe and it threw up lots of behaviours and for James as well. 
And it was, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to have gone through that, to nearly have walked away from it quite a few times, but there'd be a nugget inside of you, which is like, I must be learning something here. I don't want to let this go. This is actually good for my soul. This is unconditional love. If we can move through this, it's unconditional. That's, and I'm going to personalize what I'm about to say. I know that I might go into the thought process that, see, I'm not good at marriage. See, that's why my previous marriage has failed. See, this is hard again, right? But you were taking it from like the perspective of I'm learning something here. I'm growing here. So that is awesome. Could you talk a little bit about, because not only did you get together uh, as a unit, as a relationship, but you also got together to build a business, which in and of itself is also hard. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really hard because I actually inherited a brand that James had already started with his ex. So that was, for me, yes, yes. So imagine, I mean, that was really hard for James to let me in. So there's the insecurity he's got from there with what he'd been through and then the insecurity of me giving up my life and my independence to go, well, I had nothing left of mine, really. I put all my eggs in his business basket, basically. Um, And again, that threw up a lot of stuff straight away, but... I think we are in such a unique, we are in such a unique position where we really enjoy, we we have the same values, we have the same vision. I mean, that's so rare. We have the same, almost like the same passion and purpose for what we want to, the legacy that we want to create in the world and who we want to help. We have, it's it's almost identical. It is identical. That's in itself what kept us going a lot of the time it's that vision of becoming the best version of ourselves and then helping other people do the same so we are in a privileged position where we get to work together we enjoy each other's company he's my best friend he's my lover he's my he's my everything and we get to build a business together and get to celebrate the wins but also be there for each other when it's not so great and yeah just to have that it's it was hard at the beginning. Now we're in a place, and this is what we held on to. Now we're in a place where it just flows. If I understand correctly, then James, before you, uh, well, you've met Claire or you've known Claire for a while, but before you got together, you already had a business, you already had a brand that you've started, and so were you? Were you thinking? I'm. Were you always thinking I'm going to bring her into this, or that came after you got together, or? No, so I obviously wanted to move her over to Ibiza so we could be together. Move her. Uh, and uh, luckily was prepared to, prepared to come. I was started off right, but cause, yeah, I guess, I guess we'd want to be, we're both going to be a bit cautious. So we started out with Claire. Claire was working in the business. We agreed everything. Then after a little while, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to share my life with you. I just want to share, might as well share the best business with you. So that's what we did. Yeah. And then, you know, from there, we then started the, the new business, Midlife Mentors, which we started completely together. And that is our. Oh, our so real... that part, that part is new to both yes. of you. Right. Yes. yes. That's so, which true. part is the part that existed before? So, the original, the original business is uh, called 38 Degrees North, which is the latitude of Ibiza. So, that was uh, fitness retreats, fitness holidays in Ibiza. And we still run, well, if COVID will allow us, we'll still be running them. Uh, Ibiza, Marbella in the UK. And then about two and a half years ago, just because, you know, the age we're at, we were seeing so many of our clients presented with like similar um, kind of 
symptoms, challenges. issues, challenges. We're like, we want to do something for midlifers. We're super passionate about midlife. Like, we're tired of people just going, you know, this is the beginning of the end. I've just got to put up with the weight gain, with the aches and pains, with the low energy. We're like, no, no, you know what? There's stuff you can be doing to actually like move into the second act, real joy, real passion. So we created that together and, you know, started with a podcast. Started with a podcast. And we, we love it. Yeah. Um, yes. You, you said something there, James, that I thought, ooh, I know a lot of people think that way where, you know, they started the uh, midlifers, people like us, right? You start feeling the aches and pains and people are going, well, this is just part of how it is from now onwards. And it, to some degree, we carry that sort of thought pattern or thought process to our relationships as well. It's like, okay, well, I'm unhappy with my relationship, but but that's how it is. I've been with this person for X number of years now, and that's just how it is now. <laughs> and so can you talk a little bit about that? Kind of how do you how do you talk to people when you hear those kinds of of sentiments? What I remind people is, you know, we it's very interesting the human condition. We kind of tell ourselves that things like our personality our beliefs our self-identity are like fixed constructs that you know that is the way you know, we're shaped by experience by the things that have happened to us that is the way it is for me now what we must remember is like we are the masters of our own destiny we have the power to change our beliefs to change you know our, our self-identity all we need to do is really think about you know what is our goal who do we want to be down the road and start modeling beliefs we want to go along with that start living them actually like you know, existing in those beliefs and we will change them you know like neuroscience tells us that, that we actually change neural pathways in our brain we can literally remodel our brain structure to become the person we want to become which is an amazing thing you know we were an amazing audience. we have these amazing tools the thing is well mostly we're hardwired these tools working against us you know it's it's arguably from evolution you know we're, we're basically hardwired to look out for risk avoid it, play it safe, you know, and that's that's what kept us alive. You know, back in the days when we were hunter-gatherers and the world was very dangerous, you know, not taking risks kept you alive, not stepping out of line with the rest of the tribe kept you alive, kept you in the tribe, because if you were outcast, it was pretty much certain death. We don't live in that world anymore, but our, our central nervous system, our subconscious is still still in that. It hasn't evolved to thing. So, you know, taking a risk, oh, what will people think of me? Oh, I'm worried about other people's opinions. Oh, I don't want to be rejected and cast out because it's dangerous we get we can afford to take risks we can afford to let our ego drop be vulnerable and try things you know when we when we limit ourselves anything we're limiting is is ourself uh, and that's a really important thing to realize you know i make mean, yeah, i had a real, a real choice point it's like do i try and protect my heart and not take a risk and then go through life with this little shield on or do i go you know what i actually want to experience this if it goes wrong I know what that feels like, and it'll be horrible and hideous. But I can deal. I can deal with it again, because that's. I'd rather. I'd rather risk it. As Shakespeare's better to have loved and lost, never loved at all, rather than that face this future of just going through the rest of my life with a little shield over my heart. Mm. And I would say, just on on the question you asked, it's like this is just the way it is. If you're in a relationship and you're thinking this is just the way it is, um. You know, it can, it's very easy to become complacent in relationships. It can become very easy, especially at this time of life, not to communicate properly. Communication is a lack of communication. It's one of the biggest issues. And also, by the time we get to midlife, we were talking about this um, on an interview the other day. 
when we get to midlife, we're growing, we're reevaluating and reinventing potentially who we are. So that can actually, it can either bring you together, but more often than not, it can actually tear you apart. Uh, sadly, if you're not communicating properly, if you're not supporting, and if you start feeling threatened by the other person kind of engaging in their sense of power and a sense of passion and who they're becoming, they the other partner, if they're not doing the same, they're not trading the same journey and going and looking at, okay, this is where I am right now. Is it where I want to be in a few years' time? You know, if one of you is engaging that and one of you isn't, one of you can feel very threatened. Um, and that's where the disconnect can start to come in relationships. So is this the way it's meant to be? Well, maybe you've just lost that spark because you're not communicating. Maybe you're evolving, as we all do, as we're supposed to, into a new person. And time will tell if that other person is willing to do the work on themselves um, and whether you can grow together. So I think, you know, it's not a yes or a no. It's You'll be surprised as well that sometimes if you think that you're the one that's doing all the growth and the, the other one's not going to come along, actually they do end up becoming quite inspired by, we've seen this with all of our clients, a lot of our clients, they become inspired by the other person growing and then want to step up. And that's actually what our relationship is really based on. I see James stepping up and I'm like, oh, I, I, I need to step up my game, but not in a, in a threatened way, not in a competitive way. It's like, oh, that's inspiring. We're going to get back to the interview shortly. I just wanted to briefly mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. Now, Midlife Cues is a weekly digital publication for midlifers who are keen on making the most of their midlife. Every Sunday, we explore topics that help us live a joyful midlife. We talk about health and well-being. We talk about midlife mindset, one of the most important foundational things that we really need to master. We examine what growing bolder in our middle years mean for each of us individually. And we explore how we redefine success at work and in life. Give Midlife Cues a try by signing up for your free copy at midlifecues.com. Okie dokie, let's get back to the conversation. And that's the thing. It is a time, midlife is a time of reflection. It's a time where we're looking at what we've gathered, materials, status, all these things. And a majority, this is why we love working with midlifers, sadly, a majority of midlifers do get to this point and think, hmm, okay, why don't I feel fulfilled? What's going on there? And it's because they've done all these external things and they've got the badge of honour and they've got the busy life and they've got all these nice, pretty bows on things, but actually they don't know themselves very well and they're not living their potential and that's, that's where the term midlife crisis comes from, we believe. People get to that point and think, oh, my goodness. And then, and then what they'll do is they'll start buying things or doing crazy things to try and dumb down the emotions that are bubbling up within them to say, hello, you're not happy. Oh, no, I'll just dumb that down. No, just I'll, I'll, buy, I'll, I'll buy a sports car. I'll, I'll get divorced and get a, a younger model. You know, all those. Oh, there you go. Things, right. <laughs> Well, I have a girlfriend who's become a, an empty nester last year, and she was saying like how her life seems all of a sudden empty, like she doesn't know 
what to do with herself, where she doesn't know who she is all of a sudden, because she's her identity to use, you know, James, what you said earlier, is so connected to being a mom. Mm -hmm. She's always identified as a mom. And now the, the daughter is away in college. And she's like, well, who am I now? And what do I really want? Or what do I enjoy doing on a day-to-day -day basis because all her decisions have been focused on, well, what does my daughter want to do yeah. this weekend? Or what does my husband want to do? And she's never asked herself, well, what me, what do I want to do if yeah. I wasn't with them? And it can feel very alien. Yeah. Because it's so alien to put yourself and prioritize yourself first, it can feel like selfishness. And that's what a lot of women particularly struggle with. You know, I would flip it on its head and just say, it's such, you know, don't put too much pressure on. Don't focus on what you haven't got. Focus on what opportunities are opening up here. Like, what am I going to discover about myself now? And this is why it's so wonderful to watch midlife women start to unpick themselves from the model and the self-identity that they had as mum and wife and colleague. And then they unpick it all and they're like, oh, there's this magical, powerful essence of me that's now coming out. Um, hello. But that could be very threatening as well if you're in a relationship. And I want to pick on the word that you said there, which is it can feel selfish because I know of mom, friends of mine who are mothers who wear it as a badge of honor that they sacrifice their their time their energies for the benefit of their kids like everything is for them and they to them thinking about themselves and what they like or what they want to pursue is sort of selfish it's for the kids yeah it's that it's a tricky one because you what you've got to find out obviously you need to look after your kids interests but you need to look after yourself as well and so many people like lose their identity and here's the thing it's always my people is like what are your kids learning by watching your behavior? Are you always like being submissive to them and their needs? You're basically, they learn by mimicking. So you're teaching them the same pattern to go on to. And here's the thing, you know, when you do start prioritizing yourself and you shine, it does up-level everyone around you. You'll be like, oh, wow, mom's doing this. That's really great. I'm inspired to do this. And it just works that way. You know, I say like, my favorite saying is like, a lighthouse doesn't tear around the ocean looking for ships to save. It just stands tall, shining its light. Oh, I like that. I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> he always remembers them. I, I read them and go, oh, I like that. Poof, it's gone. Gone. Oh, yeah, James remembers them. I need to start writing them down. Okay, so I am going to channel, and you know, obviously this is a podcast, so people aren't seeing you, but I'm going to put a link to your website and to the podcast that you have, and eventually people are going to click and they're going to see you. And I know some of my listeners are going to go, easy for James and Claire to say these things because look at them. They are two beautiful people who found themselves, each other in midlife, and look at them. They're beautiful. Well, I'm not that beautiful. Who's going to want me in midlife? What might you say to someone who would say that? I would say don't don't always judge a book by its cover. You know, we never know what's going on in anyone else's lives. Uh, you know, something we always say to people is, is the way, I guess the way the energy we have, the way we look, is because we, we work hard at it, right? And it's been a conscious choice to do that. Go back, you know, I was at school, I was that, that stereotypical overweight kid, picked last for teams, lack, really lack confidence, lack confidence all through my teen, teenage years. Kind of had borderline, almost body dysmorphia, I think my 20s. 
I'm very, very unhappy in that situation. Uh, and I've come through the other side of that. So I, I'd rather people say, it's like, oh, look at them. I can actually see it is possible to start living your life in a certain way, to be more full of energy, to, to actually like have more confidence, to make positive steps, to build a positive mindset, positive psychology. Because it all talks in the world, it's so easy to not, not people down this scale. Well, it's easy for them. Oh, look at them. You know, it's easy. I could do that. Here's the thing. We cannot do it again. Like I said before, you know, we can literally reprogram the software of our brain to, to become who we want to become. Yeah. So that option is there for, for everyone. And where you are now is only your starting point. As I say, where you are now is just a starting point. It's not the end point unless you want it to be. So, and I'm, yeah. you know, I have to share this because I never want any women to. Uh, I can understand why women might look at me and go, "Okay, that's easy for." I I've been two dress sizes bigger than I am now. I uh, when I went through my second divorce, I was put on antidepressants. Um, I was so low. I piled on the weight, which James can vouch for because we were friends then. Um, I've also um, been two dress sizes smaller than I am now. So my relationship with food was just discuss- like really, really bad. I was in really negative patterns with alcohol, with not respecting my body and who I sometimes gave it to. And I just wasn't, my self-confidence was so, so battered that these weird uh, patterns of behaviour would just spill out. And they, that happened for years and years and years. I didn't get my stuff together to about 10 well less than 10 years ago now you know I didn't and then I requalified I was in a job that I hated for 15 years I requalified and do what I do now but I had to start on minimum wage again when I was in my early 30s so I couldn't even afford to eat some days you know it's so the people that you see now yes we work hard physically and nutrition all of that but it's the personal journeys that we've been on that make us able to step into the best versions of ourselves and our potential because we know what it's like not to. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. Would you mind, uh, I want to switch a little bit to the health part. And you probably, I mean, I don't know if you've run into the situation where someone would come to you and say, well, I haven't really been making a lot of healthy choices most of my life, but now that I'm in my 40s, I want to start making healthy choices. Is it too late? You know, have I done the damage <laughs> forever? And is there hope for me? Like, have you run into those things? And how do you talk to people who have been sort of unhealth- making unhealthy choices? It's a really natural question to ask, you know, oh, is it, is it too late for me now? But actually, the question you're going to be asking yourself is, not is it too late for me now? But if I don't start addressing this now, what does it look like for me in 10 years, in 20 years, you know? Yeah, that's a good uh, flip of how you would think, right? Yeah. And so every, what I get out of that, James, is that every bit helps. Like even if it's, even if you just stop smoking today, even if you've been smoking all your life and today you stop smoking, even that bit would help 10, yeah. 15, 20 years later. Right. Exactly. There's so much we can do, you know, even if you've, if you've like done, done no exercise, had a terrible diet, you know, you can start to turn that around and physiologically turn it around. You know, um, we know now that like the bulk of our neurotransmitters are actually made in the gut, which is why it's called the second brain. So um, if we've been eating a really bad diet, you know, 
we can have our emotions out of whack, like we have anxiety, depression. We can start to turn that all out. We can build our gut biome back up. We can, you know, like our body is an amazing thing. It can start to like detox its own cells once we start cleaning it up. We can start moving. We can add muscle mass, raise our metabolic rate. There's so much we can do, you know, and wherever we're starting from, and that's the thing, like wherever your starting point is, it's just to a starting point and you can build from there. Yeah, it's never too late to transform. Like that really, really, really is the key message is never, ever too late. Like James said, it's so beautiful. You said, James, it's like, what is the cost of me not stopping now, actually. What's the cost? What does my life look like? What's the quality of life look like? We're all living longer, but the quality of our life, you know, disease, obesity, all these things isn't isn't what it used to be. So, yeah, that's the different spin on it that we, we do talk to clients about is like, what's the cost of inaction? I mean, we're talking about it in terms of health, but actually, as I think about it, that the way to flip that question around applies to anything, right? If you say, well, my relationship with my kids have always been this way, it's too late to change. No, but what would be the cost if you don't change? How would it be like if you don't change it 15 years from now, 10 years from now, right? Yeah. So it's almost like every every part of our life, if you're thinking of making a shift or a change and you're thinking, it's too late, it's been this way forever, if you just say, well imagine what would it be like if you don't change what would it look like 10 years from now 15 years from years exactly it's a very sobering it's a really sobering thought and actually it's a really important one you know there's no point in putting bells and pretty whistles and stuff on it if it's you know 10 years down the line what is that going to look like if you don't start the book if you don't start the business if you don't you don't open your heart to a relationship if you if you keep eating junk food. What's that going to look like? Ah, oh, that is such a gift for me personally. Thank you. Oh, so much. That's that is like a big ah uh, moment for me. It's like I can I can ask this question on anything. To your point, if you don't write the book, if you don't what whatever it is, right? Yeah. It's like thank you. That oh, is a thank you. Answer. I just thank just done that. It's like what happens if you don't sing your song. That's like one of the biggest things. It's like, what if that song, what if you, and it sounds really morbid, but what if you die with your song still inside of you? I mean, like sometimes it sounds morbid, but what's what's those last few moments when you look back over the story of your life? What if there is a song that has been unsung? How how What does that look like? And that is the biggest, biggest one. That's what drives me forward all the time. Ha. Huh. Thank you. Thank you. I am going to that bit of this. I love, I love this conversation so far, but that bit, I'm going to like put that on like repeat and remind myself that every, every few times that I'm hesitating on something like, what did James and Claire say? Let me listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about the work that you do today? Can you talk about the podcast, about the midlife mentors? Is it, can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, we started with our midlife adventure, I guess, started with the Midlife Mentors podcast, which was just Claire and I mucking around in our apartment. Taking the mickey out of each other. Yeah, as opposed to have, having some fun with a microphone uh, and thinking about what, what people want to hear about, you know, like some healthy tips, some relationship tips, like some mindset work. And, and uh, yeah, we've just grown it from there. And I think it's really highly rated now on, on Listen Notes, which is which is something that keeps track of podcasts. Uh, we've got great reviews. People People love it. People message us all the time and they listen to episodes, which is really, really beautiful. So we, we feel really privileged to do that. And then 
from there, and obviously with our background in, in fitness, in psychology, in coaching, we built out the Midlife Method, which is an eight-week transformational program. But is it holistic hulks? Here's the thing, you know, where people go wrong, I think we kind of reference this, people are just trying to fix on one aspect and think if they just work on that, it will solve everything. Like, oh, I, I'm, I've put on too much weight, I just want to lose weight, so I'll just go on a diet. But you know, going on a diet doesn't fix everything else. I mean, what's the reason you put that weight on, you know? So we go, we work on, you know, the movement, the nutrition, the building of positive success mindset, emotional resilience, hormones. understanding what's going on with midlife hormones, because that plays a massive role. Uh, and then the accountability part, which is us, obviously we have like a private group supporting it, group calls. Yeah. And it gets, it gets clients great results. And the great thing is most people come to us or, or at the start and just with the, with the thing of like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to lose some weight. I want to look better. By the end of the, of the program, they're all like, yeah, I mean, that was great, but the change in my mindset, in, in my psychology, in my thinking, my relationship with food is, is I never thought it would be possible. So yeah. that's what we that's what we love. The habits, uh, the habits that last a lifetime, basically, that, yeah, heal people's relationship with food, that's, that's a biggie. And actually, it becomes part of who they are. It doesn't become, it's not restrictive. It becomes part of, of who they are. And then they're passing it on to their children, you know, like you're saying about, Showing up as the best version of yourself. You know, we get messages saying, well, my children are now doing like gratitude lists in the evening. They're doing the mindset work and they're doing a bit of the fitness with us. And, and actually they're understanding a little bit more about sugar. It's great. It's amazing. And you don't just work with folks in Europe or in Spain, right? You wor- work with folks internationally. Yeah, or- yeah. we have clients internationally. And uh, we do now, uh, more and more, we're doing like corporate work. So we work with organizations supporting their employees in the workplace as well with, with workshops and um, executive coaching programs and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, we're loving that. That's really, really exciting. Well, I'm definitely going to put a link to your website on the show notes. And where is the, is, do you have a, like a, a, the social media platform that you're most active in where people can follow you? Oh, Claire's favorite is Instagram. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're on Instagram. We're Midlife Mentors. Yeah. At Midlife Mentors. At Midlife Mentors. And we're also on Facebook where we are the Midlife Mentors cool beads all right well this is fantastic i'm going to put a link to all of those things on the show notes but for my last couple of questions to both of you i would appreciate it if james you would answer and then claire you would answer because i would love to hear you individually respond to these questions so um the mantra of second breaks is celebrate midlife and I was wondering if I throw that phrase out to you, James, if I throw that phrase out to you, Claire, what springs to mind? Celebrate midlife. And for me, it's about waking up each day with enthusiasm, you know, and really actually embracing life and realizing, you, you know, we're so privileged in this world. We have amazing opportunities, you know, technology, this argument, it, it's got lots of downsides, but the, the positive sides of it, enable us to have so much at our fingertips and achieve and do so much and you know personally for me it's like every day waking up just feeling enthusiastic about the day and stuff ahead that for me is is the joy of midlife i guess the celebrating midlife for me is not caring about what anyone thinks much anymore not not giving so much of a damn anymore and allowing a feeling comfortable to be seen and heard in all my vulnerability and all my power and all my magic. That's what celebrating midlife is for me. 
At 20, I was full of energy, but actually really lacking confidence, obviously experience and knowledge. And now I have even more energy, but I have the confidence and experience to go after what I want. Uh, and like Claire said earlier, like not, not worry so much about other people's opinions. So that's really, really empowering. At 20, I was insecure and I felt like an imposter in my own life. Now, I am comfortable in my own skin and feeling more powerful than ever before. I want to thank James and Claire Davis for sharing their experiences, their insight, and most importantly, their personal stories with us today. You're going to find all the links to their website, to their social media, as well as some highlights of this episode on the show notes at secondbreaks.com. And thank you, my dear listener friend, for joining me today. If you like this episode, if you enjoy the podcast, I would so appreciate it if you would mention it to a friend or two. Word of mouth is still the best way to grow. And by you mentioning it to someone you know, to a family member, you're going to help me tremendously in growing the show, in reaching other midlifers who may benefit from the topics that we cover on the show. I'll be back with a new episode in a couple weeks. I hope you'll join me then. In the meanwhile, here's to a joyful and easeful week ahead. Cool beans.